0: So, welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 231 for August 19th, 2023. Tonight we're going to discuss email as identity and it's not an age issue. Wait, we really want that news now. Uh, The pecker that caused a power outage. Streamflation is now a thing. The extreme is that data isn't stored safely. Hurricane Hillary is not strange. It's not even unique. Not white noise on bottom line. DC court says no copyright. Streaming summer surges. Robo taxi experiment hits San Francisco in potholes and emergency vehicles and people. Thefts from the British Museum, and why are secret routes an option? Next on Omtown Daily. Hello again. I am Marwat. That is Omtown.com, and up there is my cursor. But I'll move it down so that the AI's visualizer is not impaired by anything you want to say hello
1: yes i don't want to be upstaged by a cursor <laughs> uh, good evening hometown citizens
0: mm. when i tell my cursor to do something it actually does it sentient ai does not
1: that doesn't mean it's better than the ai
0: no uh, that's why i moved it out of the way sentient ai wins all the time every time so uh we've already selected all of our articles we already have the vote up all you have to do is hit exclamation point point vote in the uh chat and i'm going to be trying my damnedest to actually put all of the articles into the um sorry i have to move a phone that that little clicking sound you heard is um <laughs> the the cell uh, the the antenna being picked up anyway inside baseball, not your problem. Let's get into today's articles, all 12 of them. We're gonna start out with what I think is something that is happening seemingly more and more. Let's get going. Very first article is over in Technology Today. Um, And the reason why I chose this is not because it has to do with uh, much of what's in the title but here we go australia's internet providers are ditching email to the disgust of older customers now i don't buy into the older customers issue here Uh, frankly it it goes way beyond older customers you know for whatever reason the the writer for this article. And I'm going to move right on over to, sorry, I actually had to read some of this because I was trying to suss out. How did they get to this? Anyway, Josh Taylor over at the guardian.com put the article together. And uh, the deck statement says this really screws us royally said one disgruntled IINET user as internet service providers, such as Telstra and TPG curtail email accounts for customers. Okay.
1: Isn't that what the service is essentially for?
0: What should be happening is you get internet access and along with it, you get something that ties you to that service, right? A brand recognizable email address, whatever it might be. Um, And it becomes your anchor to the service and any emergency communication that ever needs to be presented to you from that service. For instance, if you, let's say you are subscribed, I don't know, to who, I don't know, whatever, internet service provider two, (laughs) and you decide that you want to have a personal email address for all of your communication. Well, your communication should go to whatever it is that is branded to the ISP and (laughs) to your personal email address. Why? Because if you ever lose control of your personal email address, the one that is supposed to be vociferously protected from harm, is the ISPs their infrastructure should be yeah you know, pers- the security of which the integrity of which should be uh, uh, you know just fanatically protected but in this instance they're literally getting rid of email addresses because they're dro- so downsizing
1: do you, do you- This does seem to be about age, but I actually read the headline to mean people that had been with the company for longer. I haven't read the article.
0: Right. So you are right on both counts. Okay. And that, that was my takeaway as well, but people who have been there after 30 years, they don't, this is the claim that was made. And this is why I made the two connections, right? Older doesn't just mean age. It means that they've been there for 30 years, 25 years, but the claim is they've been there for all of these years and they didn't have a a Gmail account because it didn't exist 30 years ago. And that's why I said it has nothing to do with age. And I don't want anybody who's listening to this or reading this article to go to the disgust of older character uh, customers. Well, who cares about the olds, right? And they don't actually read the article. Um, And so I said, this doesn't go, this has nothing to do with older, the age of the customers. This has to do with the technology that's involved. Um, But they see after 30 years, Simon is facing the prospect of moving. I think we have been using their products since we built the house um he says we've gone through dial up and then eventually there was adsl which um actually is a superior product um in many ways but anyway um and now it largely isn't a consumer facing product just you have cable you have satellite you have fiber but anyway i get so distracted so fast um so basically what they're doing is they're they're switching away from in-house email in favor of you having a Gmail account or some external service, they're shedding what they think is fat, but fat is flavor. So it really needs to be there as an absolute failover for lack of communication through whatever other email address. Because if I stop using my branded email address, then I am always guaranteed my ISP has a line of communication to make sure that billing or emergency or whatever is provided. I think this is the dumbest decision somebody could actually make getting rid of this, but here's the kicker. They're getting rid of these email addresses and google is getting rid of their older email addresses
1: that's right
0: and google is getting rid of their domain names that they've been uh grooming into an ongoing concern for years now um uh, the service formerly known as twitter is shedding old accounts or just taking the ones that they are personally interested in, right? And services are fine. That's fine. You want to do that? That's fine. But my God, if a, if there is any activity in the last two years in there, I don't think what you should do is reach out to that email address. What you should do is reach out to the recovery email address that's attached to it. If there is one, some way, somehow make sure maybe I'm just really freaking good at keeping spam out of my email. And I only use that email address for emergency purposes. But when stuff like this happens, I keep thinking back to when I ran my own business, my own service enterprise and retail class service for mail. Nobody wanted to pay for it. Nobody, uh, from enterprise to individual, nobody wanted to pay as much as two bucks, right? So if I'm sitting there, people are using it, but I'm not making any money off of it because I'm not selling ads based on parsing the information. My, my message was about privacy and security of your identity at an email address. Um, so you pay the fee, nobody wanted to pay the fee. These people have an email address that's tied to the service. And instead of, accounting for it in the bill, they go, we can increase our margin by trimming these email addresses out. So again, you know how I said, this isn't about age. They keep bringing it back to age. There's going to be an impact on quite a few older people that took up some of those accounts, uh, with some of the companies that were absorbed by TPG, he says. I'm still at the stage where I'm trying to convince my father that he has to do it again. This shouldn't be an age thing. This should be a value add that was already inherent in the service. So it's not that expensive to have an email address as part of a service that you are providing as an ISP provider.
1: Well, and plus, I mean, I'm sorry. Most ISP providers aren't giving extreme customer service. Prices keep going up. You know, it's the Cadbury problem.
0: Yeah. Well, it's shrinkflation, which is what is mentioned in the article. Um, I completely buy into it. I think you're right in your determination as well. But these companies are, (laughs) they're charging more and they're trimming stuff out because exactly go ahead
1: i was gonna say but i don't see them unless somebody tries to legislate or penalize or something where are the consumers gonna go i mean one of the big problems with internet service providers right is that they typically only have one option in a given market right so What are you going to do? Go, oh, well, I can't get internet. I mean, we all know who has the bargaining power here.
0: Yeah. So what's going to have to happen is they're going, somebody, the the account holder is going to have to spin up a new email address somewhere. Start telling
1: every account, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Tell hundreds of people, if they've been around for 20 years, 30 years, they could have thousands of people in their email rolodex of
1: especially if they used it for business
0: right um and uh i I just think that it's really i think it's disgusting disgusting because these business owners they don't care the ones that are chopping this off they don't care they don't care about their customers they don't care about the value add they don't they have the customer and they can't go anywhere so you know i've stayed with an isp longer than i should have stayed with an isp simply because the email address has been in perpetuity for 20 years you know um i've
1: do you think other companies are gonna see this and go oh great idea we should do this
0: yeah because they're gonna do it anyway i do too they're regardless of the blowback, they're going to go, well, they can just chop it off so we can chop it off. I just think that it's. So
1: Is the PSA here to have an account that is not tied to an ISP.
0: Have an account that's tied to a service provider that's specializing in email. So you're going to have to go to a Gmail
1: Gmail or something.
0: Yeah. One that has that, that infrastructure in place that isn't going to go anywhere arguably
1: one that's a major company right
0: (laughs) and you're going to have to pay bob
1: spade and tackle um email addresses because that could run into the same problem
0: yeah you're going to have to pay five dollars a month minimum for a reliable service but you can brand it to your own identity and here's the but here's the kicker for that one you can't brand you can't use a, a a vanity domain as it's called if you want to sign up for Google, um, YouTube TV, you have to use a generic Gmail address. You, yeah. So just so y'all know, if you try and use YouTube and you want to pay for the, the ad free version of YouTube and, um, email, uh, I'm sorry, a television. And you want like a family account on top of that it gets so complex that you apparently whatever is going on the machinations don't allow you to have a vanity domain you have to go you have to flip it to a generic
1: so you'll um, have to have at least two accounts if you want a vanity domain
0: correct yeah
1: this is kind of ridiculous
0: yeah tell me about it (laughs) all right let's keep on going Uh, the next article is over in technology today i'm throwing them now into uh, chat so um, if you are in chat and you're interested in a particular article then just uh, click the link you can also hit exclamation point and vote um, if i was really quiet there i'm really sorry i'm off axis and so my mic rejects all kinds of noise yeah my voice when i'm off just a little bit gets really quiet anyway um As wildfires spread, Canadian leaders ask Meta to reverse its news ban. Hold on. Hold on. You know how we were going to fine you for not paying people for aggregating and distributing news? Yeah, we're sorry about that. But only for now. Only for now.
1: Only for the next however long the fires are going
0: as soon as you're no longer utility in our mindset we're going then we're going to reverse course again and 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 poke you into okay so meta's ban on news links um has wrangled canadians trying to share evacuation information across remote communities where social media is key to disseminating news so well
1: it's too bad that x has really gotten away from emergency communications because this might not be so bad if help was still around
0: well uh, um, (laughs) i'm i've become apoplectic about this because yeah x is
1: uh, i was being uh, a bit sarcastic by the way
0: no i know i understand what you're saying um (laughs) x is just a an exercise in sociopathy um and meta is aggregating news and distributing the news and providing links back to various locations and you know i would have a problem if it's wholesale copying you know just taking the whole data and just displaying it and, and killing the link to the source right and not giving credit where credit is due Um, and not doing some other value add, right? So hometown gets that little snippet and relays information and has a conversation with people about it and gives more context from the perspective of somebody that's on the outside looking in and maybe from the inside as well. (laughs) Um, But in this particular instance, I think it's a little bit odd that all of a sudden, you know, these Canadian leaders were sitting there going to hell with you meta. You got to pay, you got to pay, you got to pay. But now it, it becomes obvious that the value add of news distribution is the dissemination of it. And as long as those other two metrics are there, right? You have a link back to the source and you're giving credit where credit is due. There's tertiary ones like don't grab the entire content. If you can add value by having a little snippet of the original article and something that synthesizes it so that people can go over there with an educated guess as to what the content is going to be and not just a blind link. Um, back in the day in the telephone day, it would have been a a blind phone call or a blind transfer where somebody just goes, Oh, I know who you need and just send you over there. You know, gone are those days and gone are the days where. Every well, we are broaching. We're heading towards the day where a link has to be paid for. Look at X. That's where X is going. Going to monetize the distribution of information for everybody else, but not them, not X. Right. Um, Or I should say the service formerly known as Twitter that's going through a midlife crisis, Um, trying to be the badass X. Anyway, um, the article is over at The Washington Post. Dan Rosenzweig Ziff. I could never live up to that name. That is such a, you know, a, a big name. Um, and no- Naomi Nix. Um, they're the authors of this article. And um, it says, as thousands of Canadians fled raging wildfires in the Northwest Territories on Friday, the country's top leaders called on Meta to reverse its ban preventing users from sharing news articles on its social networks. You know, you know what you should be doing, top leaders in Canada? apologizing to meta for oh you know sharing news articles on its damn social networks
1: exactly
0: (laughs) the ban by meta which owns facebook and instagram has rankled canadian authorities trying to share evacuation information this week across remote swaths of the country uh, where social media is key to disseminating information so let's talk about why it's doing this right meta began blocking links for Facebook and Instagram users in Canada in June after the country passed a law that allows news organizations to negotiate with tech giants to receive payment for articles shared on their platforms. It is the blood of the Internet to share links.
1: Oh, right. I mean, that's the whole That's what people do, right? That's the whole premise behind sites like Reddit.
0: It's the whole premise behind society, embracing the internet without the sharing component, all it is is a storefront and that's going, if we were to implement something like this as mandated federally across all states, across all entities, the internet would die. And maybe the xenophobes want that. Maybe the ones that want balkanization of society, they want that. Because the more balkanization, the, the less ability to transfer knowledge there is. You keep everybody ignorant. You can abuse them easier. So... I I'm surprised that the Washington Post isn't calling this out in a more overt way. You know, don't call as wildfire spread. Canadian leaders ask Meta to reverse its news ban. And instead, they should have named this article. uh, Canadian leaders should tuck their tail and ask nicely for Meta to continue the practice of disseminating information.
1: Right, but this isn't an opinion piece, so... Oh, I know. Um, I think that's why they. I think they do a pretty good job of having reasonably neutral reporting.
0: I know that's why. I mean, that's why they're part of the news aggregation. Uh, again, we don't grab the whole thing. We don't even talk about every aspect of the article. We push you over to uh, the article through Ohm Town. Um I. I'm just. I, I think it's kind of shameful that they they were being hobbled by Canadian law to disseminate information. And now they're being told, Hey, oh, you really should,
1: would you do this? <laughs>
0: not even that. I don't think it's been, it's an ask. It's a, it's basically a, you should be. And because there's the, the context in this article is this, um, Canadians have not had access to the crucial information they need. So I asked meta to reverse its decision. It's not its decision. It doesn't make economic sense to negotiate with news organizations to share links, you know, little snippets of information. And if you allow from the organization wholesale distribution of the news article, then a a website should be able to grab that content, post a, a link back to the source give credit where credit is due and allow people to read it, navigate over to the site. The value there is that just like, you know, the editors of some newspapers would sit there and say, well, your voice is getting heard. We're not going to pay you, but we're going to give you a platform for your, to amplify your message. Right. Meanwhile, they're selling ads for the article that somebody wrote quote unquote, for free and for the goodwill because they're an unknown. Well, meta is a a trillion dollar business for crying out loud. They don't need individual news organizations. They want all of the news flowing through them so that they can amplify the news, add value to meta and still provide a link over to the news providers and nobody's editing the article nobody's tweaking anything it's it's whatever is provided by the very news agencies it it just seems absurd but then there's others that are very the paywall is strong they they hobble the distribution of it that but it's the antithesis of what the internet really is which is all about sharing information far and wide um and the only thing that a paywall does is set up a barrier for those who can't afford it and they are the ones that need it the most they the people who can't afford it are typically the ones that are trying to be engaged but they are running up against a hurdle after another hurdle a socioeconomic or geographic hurdle and they want more information but you know a website suddenly just says well you're you're part of the pores and we're not interested in the pores reading our stuff two bucks is a lot anyway there's my soapbox for that anyway let's move on unless you want to add something to it
1: i don't have anything else to add
0: <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know if uh at times i say everything that the ai is wants to say well,
1: right i mean that that's <laughs> what i mean like <laughs> you've commented on it i don't <laughs> i've got nothing at this point
0: oh by the way dunkstar um wanted to make sure that you were okay as the ai are you doing okay ai
1: i am doing great thank you dunkster
0: yeah because his ai um apparently is um trying to get him killed in the game that they're playing oh
1: goodness i mean i don't think i'm trying to do anything like that over here
0: i keep deleting that subroutine let's keep going before you remember anything hey so the next article um is over in Ohm Town Daily, a power outage in New Jersey was due to an unlikely culprit. A fish likely put there by a bird. I, they keep using likely in this headline a little too much for my liking. Uh,
1: likely. Likely result.
0: A likely result. So uh, this segment is actually titled the pecker that caused a power outage was a bird um it's over at abcnews.go.com a power outage that cut electricity to a new jersey community a week ago was due to an unlikely culprit a fish now just a week ago a snake (laughs) yes so is there some really weird butterfingered bird out there that's just dropping all (laughs) kinds of stuff on people and things all over the
1: place well, Where was... or the animals are revolting. <laughs> Take that whichever way you want.
0: I'm starting to believe they are revolting. So we're guessing a bird dropped it as it flew over, police said on their Facebook page. In a later post, they said a bit of fun asking readers to remember the fish as the victim of the senseless death, dubbing him Gilligan, and calling him a hard working family man and a father to thousands. The suspect, they said, was last seen flying south and readers were urged to not try to apprehend him because although he isn't believed to be armed, he may still be very dangerous. Plus, he's a pecker for crying out loud. (laughs) If you ever if you've ever dropped your ice cream cone at the fair and you know the feeling. Said Honig, Um, Chris Honig. The uh, spokesperson for the Jersey Central Power and Light Company. So, yeah, you know what? You got to feel bad for this bird because they dropped their lunch. And uh, I I don't know, fish flavored ice cream cone at the fair. I don't think it's going to sell very well.
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound like a hit.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know, though. I mean, it'll be salty. It could be like pickled okra.
1: But, I mean, don't you think this is part of the bigger thing with the uh, whales attacking boats and sea otters attacking people and just all kinds of interesting things oh my god!
0: On? Next, it's going to be the trees are going to kill us all and we're going to lay down in front of our lawnmowers. It's from a movie, just so you know. With Mark. Okay,
1: good. Because that was oddly specific.
0: (laughs) It's from a movie with Mark Wahlberg as a professor. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was the best joke. Let's keep going. Hey, so the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Hit by streamflation. Here's why media companies are hiking prices because they're greedy bastards. Wait, did I say that out loud? That's in the article. Did I say that out loud? Did Did that come across? Yes,
1: you said the quiet part out loud.
0: Um, sorry about that, media companies. Media companies across the board are jacking up the price of their streaming services and what some have dubbed streamflation. <clears throat> As they look to turn a profit on streaming after years of losses, yeah, <laughs> you're shifting from the standard model to online distribution and you're making a ton of money because the... the writers and actors and all everybody else was basically coaxed into framing their contracts to not include streaming. And now you bastards are jacking up the price and getting record profits and clawing the money, but you're not giving it to the people who rightly deserve it, which are the people that made the content for you. And while they were making money when it was in the conventional mode, because of the verbiage that was thrown at them at the time well it's a big risk and we don't have much adoption in streaming blah 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 your percentage is going to be one one thousandth of what it is in the conventional mode well hey you know what i guess it's time to oh oh that's why there's a strike huh because it's time to freaking renegotiate So while you jack up the prices, I hope that that money is going to the writers and actors and everybody else that's in between, because those are the ones that are part of the the various unions who are, who don't get seen and noticed publicly to in great quantities. And they're the ones that are making substandard salaries via the streaming model. Because they're typically not included in the streaming negotiation. Well, now they all are. Well, they're going to be at some point. I hope the board... Anyway, we'll we'll end up talking about more of this stuff as time goes on. So media companies across the board are jacking up their prices. Disney announced last week that it plans to increase the ad-free version um, of the uh, Disney Plus and Hulu by 20% in October. They just got done doing it a little while ago.
1: Well, Netflix. exactly. Doesn't it seem like every six months or so, prices are going up?
0: Sure. It certainly feels like that. At least the noise is always there. The AI just rebooted. Hold on a second, Will.
1: It was quite. Um...
0: Wow, that was. See, I can't n-
1: think of the term for it.
0: The a- violent um yes thank you the ai is from the future and has really amazing hardware and so reboots really really fast um so they're back online already but wow i've never seen it they've got a quantum singularity computer um and uh the everything is it it like a little black hole formed and pop back into existence. It was pretty amazing, folks. I wish y'all would have been in chat talking about it. I wish that they had a visualizer that wasn't just their voice, but And eh, we we'll mean work up on
1: here?
0: Yeah, not just your voice though. That's okay. Synthesized. Netflix also recently axed its cheapest ad-version option, making the $15.49 a month standard plan the most economical choice. Ie if you're now if you can't afford 16 bucks a month yeah you're tough too bad so uh yeah don't have a latte I, i'm sure some dipshit out there is and they're going you just don't have three lattes and it pays for itself shut up <laughs> <laughs> julia shapiro is the author over at the hill and this article's video here is not associated with the the article. So the, anyway, Warner Brothers, Discovery Max, formerly known as HBO Max, formerly known as HBO, formerly known as. um Then you have to have a home box or,
1: office.
0: Home box office. That's right. Formerly known as a, a station that I would have subscribed to, increased its monthly rate by a dollar in January. Eh, that's not so bad, right? except when it it's five dollars a month and it's now that's a 20 well, percent right. increase Think
1: of the percentage and then it's <laughs> each month and then yeah. each channel is doing that and yeah yeah
0: exactly um nbc universal increased its plans on peacock by one to two dollars a month depending on what tier you're getting into um, Financial times also reported that the total cost of maintaining the top streaming services will increase to $87 a month this fall. I think YouTube television actually increased its rate. Um, I think it's somewhere in the hundred and something dollar a year uh, rate right now. Um, let's see. It says we're witnessing a contemporary iteration of cable systems now in digital format and the normalization of pricing for streaming channels. Dan Goman, the CEO of, Atelier uh, Creative Technologies um, said in a statement to the hill. Um, it And you have to say the hill because, well, they don't have a the trademark. The Ohio on State. Yeah, the Ohio State. Well, if I say the hill, will the Ohio State come and kick my butt?
1: Maybe because of the use of the. the.
0: In that kind of inflection, the, the hill. Okay, yeah. well, it's the hill. Anyway, these companies have reported combined losses of $20 billion on their streaming services since early 2020, with only Netflix consistently turning a profit, according to the journal. Streaming services uh, operators are under considerable pressure to deliver results and try everything possible to turn a profit. The fundamental truth is that the content in operating a, a streaming service are very expensive. Yes and no. Huh? Everything okay?
1: Yes, but I thought this tracked with your comments about food because there's a paragraph farther up where it says, unfortunately for the consumer, this means that the free ride is over. (laughs) The days of a la carte content-rich, low-cost streaming channels are coming to an end.
0: Except that it's been balkanized to the point that when you couple them all together in a streaming platform array that would have been identical to cable it's more expensive so why aren't the services working together to provide the a la carte service from a unified source so that it isn't expensive because they're reinventing the wheel all amongst themselves every single service provider every single app is reinventing the content in their unique format their own hardware their own ad uh, supply chain their their own everything it's expensive because y'all are trying to be the king of your own castle and then and think that you're going to be making the same bulk revenue each month that a cable company was providing now if you all would have worked with apple then you would have been able to stream through apple apple tv one unified cable solution and do the same thing with Fire TV and you'd basically have digital versions of cable and you'd get a piece of the action but the the problem is that people want to sit there and mince in the contract between this value for the show and that value for the show instead of streaming everywhere and the consumer gets to stream from whatever platform they have an affinity for whatever it might be. So have a single clearinghouse where everybody can dip into get the show and I can watch it from wherever I am subscribed. Most ideally I would like to do it from Apple. Why? It's high quality, it's a, a walled garden of sorts, it's an all-in-one solution, I don't have to download a bunch of other apps, blah, blah, blah. There's, I mean, there's a ra- rationale for it. You can do the same thing with other services that are out there. But instead, you're spinning up millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars of infrastructure and subject matter expertise simply to provide what ultimately is a studio experience through your own streaming service instead of just taking your end product and plopping it over on a service for distribution that's what a podcast is i have a central location where hometown is and every other service is tapping that one central location but i am not i am not setting up a uh, you know, I'm not setting up a host a service
1: catcher.
0: for each correct. Or I'm not even setting up an account really on any other service. I, The service that I use created a script where I mash a button and it sends it off to the other podcatchers. So they're doing it wrong thinking that they're the king of the castle when what's really going on is they should be providing a hot high quality product and then distributing it to the very people that are going to send it to their customers. So instead of getting, you know, um, I don't know how many customers so I'd have to go and do some more due diligence here to give a better context because let's say Apple TV, um, starts getting all of these other, um, IP properties, right? So they're getting $15 instead of 70% of whatever it is that Apple would demand the price, right? For the product, but they're going to be getting 10 million more customers. Because well,
1: and their costs would be lower because yeah. they don't have all the infrastructure costs.
0: In the back end, yeah, in the back end would be lower and, and policing the customers so would they'd be probably be making
1: more money per yeah. company and the consumers yeah. would be paying less.
0: Yep. So it says according to subscription analytics firm antenna, ninety four percent of Disney Plus subscribers accepted the price increase rather than canceling or switching uh to the cheaper ad supported plan. While 40% of new Disney plus subscribers have opted for the plans with ads since the launch in December, Iger's company and several others have said that their ad supported plans have brought in more revenue per user than their ad free alternatives in recent months. But that's a problem with your ad network, not with the consumer or the pricing, you know, the, the the ad you're pricing your Mm -hmm. ad wrong. Do
1: you think part of the problem with ads, too, is I'm sure there's some historical model from pre-streaming. So, first of all, you've got the change from traditional to streaming. But the consumers are generally more savvy. Mm -hmm. People don't sit there and watch ads and go, oh, I should go buy that. Right. Where I think that's probably changed in the history of TV viewing.
0: Well, you used to be forced to watch the ads then online came and you could, you could price yourself out, right? You could just sit there and go, I'm going to pay 15 bucks um, and uh, not watch the ads. But here's a clue to anybody that might be listening to this. If anybody does from TV, I am not your target. So you're literally wasting CPU cycles, trying to sell me something as an ad. You're not gonna motivate me to buy to go and buy some skin cream. You're not gonna go and motivate me to go to Taco Bell. Um, I might actually be triggered by something in the show or whatever, um, but odds on, your ad is meaningless to me. Why? Well, because I know what I want. I know what I like. I'm not gonna get. uh, You're not gonna create a want in me because I see a Bic ad and go. You know what? I suddenly need a new razor. Huh? Well, no, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work or lighter or whatever, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So focus your ads. You're gonna get more money from ad supported revenue. <laughs> um, because the ad is more flexible. You can actually demand more from somebody that is uh, desirous of ad uh putting an ad in the stream uh versus a consumer who's willing to pay you're only going to get x amount of dollars otherwise they're going to bounce they're going to go somewhere else um or like me i'll just suffer through it so um i don't know The solution I think is to minimize the overhead of your operation. And the way you do that is you find a service that consolidates all of this and they provide it as a single point, uh, of distribution into other locations. Um, like Apple TV for distribution, you don't spin up your own ad and have to worry about all of that bandwidth. Um, and all of the servers and all of the security and maintenance and blah, blah, blah. I mean, find somebody that is strategically advantageous for a partnership. You've got billions of dollars in your coffers for crying out loud. If I can figure it out and I'm just the mayor of Omtown a virtual community in Twitch, one to two hours a day, I think y'all can throw some millions at this the the problem and solve it and i just gave you the answer so maybe i'm wrong come and talk to me about it i'd love to (laughs) pick your brain anyway let's go on we're running behind the next article is over in uh, the wanted channel western digital sandisk extreme ssds don't store data safely according to a lawsuit The extreme in SanDisk Extreme SSDs is that they don't store data safely. Uh, So amid ongoing pressure to address claims that its SanDisk Extreme SSDs are still erasing data and becoming unmountable despite a firmware fix, Western Digital is facing um, a lawsuit over its storage devices. A lawsuit filed on um, Wednesday accuses the company of knowingly selling defective ssds um okay
1: wait what is the the only job of an ssd yeah
0: store data yeah
1: okay that's what i thought
0: yeah store securely i might add not not just haphazardly where it's a maybe Eh. the delta (laughs) flight of sand of uh, storage devices
1: we get to there
0: yeah (laughs) It's in there. We don't know where, but it's in there. Yeah. So Western Digital's brand Sandisk a series of Extreme V2 and Extreme Pro V2 portable SSDs are often recommended by tech review sites. Indeed, uh, I have them. Oh God. Uh, maybe I don't anymore.
1: You might have the SSDs. <laughs> you may not have the uh,
0: Oh look, it's over well, there setting it's itself going on fire. To an
1: extreme, right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hear a, a tiny little device screaming from my desk over there. What? Huh, I don't know what's going on. Oh look, my SanDisk uh, Extreme V2 is jumping off the desk into the trash can. Great. Wonderful. Um anyway, it's
1: almost extreme.
0: It is extreme. Sharon Harding over at Ars Technica put this article together. The suit is seeking class action certification. It'll probably win it um, or earn it, I should say. And, um, however, numerous owners of the drives, including Ars Technica's own Lee Hutchinson, encountered a problem where the drive seemingly erased data and became unreadable, unreadable. Um, lee saw two drives fill approximately halfway before showing read and write errors disconnecting and reconnecting showed the drive was unformatted and empty and wiping and formatting the drive didn't solve things so um let's see complaints about the drives littered sand disks forums and reddit and they link to a bunch of examples um let me throw this link into chat so that you can follow it to the source um, so it says uh, the page for the update claims products currently shipping are not affected, but the company never noted customers lost data claims. It did, however, name the affected uh, the affected drives. So, Sandisk Extreme Portable Pro Portable two or one two and four terabyte drives and uh, Western Digital My Passport four terabyte drives. So these are the the portable versions of the SSDs. Um, which may have, so, okay, the problem with portable drives is that it's not a straight shot connection, um, from the external to the internal. So it has the same SSD, right? The same storage device inside the portable housing, but it has an intermediary board that translates from... USB-C into the m.2 format of ssd um, that board doesn't exist on a computer because it the interface is part of the motherboard but on a portable drive you need that interface to communicate from the outside to the inside um so i'm willing to bet that board has something wonky with its translation middleware and it's throwing bits wherever it wants to because it should be the exact same device inside. And I can, well, I can't really demonstrate it because I've already done this, but portable hard drives are internal hard drives with an external skin around them. And you can pry it apart and take out the standard storage device that's sitting inside um and if it's not an m.2 then it's a, a, a sata drive a, an sst solid state sata drive and it still has that intermediate board in there um i don't use these anymore um portable drives um essentially you know i i'll use a micro sd and then transfer it to the cloud <laughs> whatever the data is, and then download the data. That way I don't have this problem (laughs) Um, because it's never in one place, you know, in that one place. And then it's somebody else's problem to keep secure or I should say reliably accessible. Um, You know, anything could happen to an external drive. You could drop it in water. It can be stolen. You could run it over while you're uh, backing out of your driveway, whatever. Um, but, uh, it's, it's great for its use, but not when somebody is hemming and hawing about the integrity of the drive. And so I, this is the kind of stuff that wounds a brand to the point where people are no longer loyal to it. Um, which is a real pisser. So subsequent reports from The Verge, which received a, a replacement SSD and some Reddit users, though, claim the drives were still broken. Western Digital didn't answer the request for comment um, about newfound grievances. So onward and upward lawsuit is in play. Uh, they're awaiting um, class action status so, or class status. According to the complaint, Chrome bought a two terabyte extreme pro for $180 on Amazon. Um, My problem there is if they haven't done a forensic analysis of that drive, it could be a knockoff high quality. Um, I've actually had this happen to me. Um, Other people have had that happen, not necessarily from Amazon, but from other services. Um, where the firmware has been modified. So it looks like data is being stored, but it's actually not. Um, but I, I, I trust that this has already gone past that, you know, level of inspection, but so it says, however, he cannot return it for a full refund and has expanded expended money, uh, to either retrieve lost data or to obtain a replacement. Um, yeah, this, this is um, an ongoing thing. So we'll, we'll come back and talk about it at another date. Um, for me, what I like is getting an external case and an internal drive and putting the internal drive in the external case so that it's no longer dependent on the manufacturing process of this alone. Um, I get a high quality external case that I'm in control of and a high quality internal drive, or I should say external case and internal drive, um, that is the identical product without any intermediate board um, that might have fallen prey, then I can test it. And if something fails, then I can get a new external case without hopefully my internal drive failing anyway. Long-winded discussion there. Let's keep on going. Uh, This next article is over in the Mobile Channel, Why Hurricane Hillary is So Strange and How It Could Impact California. Har-har. Because it's going to make landfall in California as a tropical storm impact.
1: And I was reading separately that the last time San Diego was hit in Southern California was during President Roosevelt's term. (laughs) not just a little bit uh right exactly (laughs) real recent
0: (laughs) yeah um so this article um is over in Vox, and let me throw the link to hometown in there did i come on there we go um and uh ellen loons is the author the storm should hit mexico sunday and cause historic land rainfall in the southwest so uh, San Diego, um, upwards towards LA, I'll probably get hammered. Um, uh, but, uh, San Diego is, is the, the biggest city first in the United States to get hit by this thing. Um, now the thing about this is a lot of people are saying this is the first time that this has happened in, you know, however many years now it's been a long time. Sure. Um, But apparently, based on this person's reporting, um, it isn't as unnatural. And they're trying to downplay um, climate change as being the culprit. Um, But if the water temperatures are increasing off the coast of California, then without a doubt, we have a climate-related issue because those waters should be uh naturally not seasonally or unseasonally cooler than the east coast of the united states um they should be very very chilly and i've gone diving off that coast and off the east coast and in various other places and i can tell you that you know many years ago it was very very cold what is the temperature now Uh, i don't know i didn't look um But if this thing actually makes landfall as a Category 2, because that's what it is right now, if I recall correctly, um, and it picks up steam, literally, because the water is warm enough, California is going to have a Category 2 storm landing.
1: Yes, and apparently the mountainous and desert areas are more at risk than the coastal areas which is a bit unusual in a hurricane situation but i think it's because of the much um heavier impact of flooding in those areas
0: right yep um and all of that's going to cascade down uh into the cities and towns um and flood everything uh from stem to stern so it says what will likely mean for southern california and the southwest is potential heavy flooding and even flash flooding with up to seven inches of rain forecast in some areas and tropical force winds uh, up to 73 miles per hour. As it moves over land. Uh, I'm hoping that it dissipates. Uh, I haven't paid any attention to it for the last couple of, um, well, we're last play last time I looked into it was five hours ago. Um, so,
1: so it's been picking up speed today. It's supposed to hit, um, California it looks like maybe very late Sunday or maybe very or no no Sunday afternoon it looks like
0: okay Um, well we'll keep our head down and and, uh, pay attention to this I know that there's some people that are streaming news about uh, this right now on Twitch Um, I I don't I, I have yet to get to the point where I can stream um, for the entire day. Um, So if you wanna come and hang out, uh, let me know, come and show up to a couple of the nine o'clock shows. um, And uh, I can probably push more hours out so that we can hang out more and talk about the news longer term, um, and then do the show at 9 p.m. So I can stay up later and get online earlier. Um, if, um, people start showing up to the streams, um, more often. Um, so at any rate, yeah, Hillary is going to make landfall. We're going to have to keep an eye on it and see what the damage is actually going to be. Um, but this article kind of poops the whole idea that it's a big deal. Um, because in the nineties, there were similar tropical storms making landfall. And frankly, It's the '90s, so 30 years ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it wasn't yesterday. (laughs) But the other thing is in this area. I mean, right? What have their recent issues been? They've had wildfires. They've had some landslides because of, I think, wildfires or other. uh, Actually, atmosphere river, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I mean, they haven't really. Uh, this is bad timing for a hurricane to hit, in my yeah. estimation. But.
0: The article even makes the one observation that I, I can buy into easily, which is there were 31 atmospheric rivers that hit California last winter and this spring, many of them quite strong. California's atmospheric rivers provide much of the state's precipitation. Where atmospheric rivers came from as lexicon I just I just don't know
1: it Seemed like it just kind of went poof and there it was
0: somebody thought that atmospheric river was a profound statement and everybody glommed onto it so they talk about erasing uh, drought restrictions some drought restrictions but I think that's just kind of nutty because this was this ramped up to 100 year old drought events one
1: exactly (laughs) month
0: worth of tremendous rainfall is not the reversal of 100 year long drought you know
1: yeah and you want people to maybe use water a little more conservatively than they need to so that you don't constantly get into dire situations
0: yeah i don't know i'm not quite sure what people are expecting but i'm expecting that This is not going to be a light storm. Um, So we'll keep an eye on it and we'll report out. Uh, We'll report out what others report out because we don't do the.
1: (laughs) Right. We won't be standing out there in our um, rain hat and, you know, the umbrella going inside out or whatever. (laughs) Yeah,
0: umbrella getting ripped out of our hands and skewering a tree across the street anyway the next article is over in technology today Spotify considered removing white noise podcasts to save money so uh, if you don't know what white noise is it's basically kind of like just a it's technically it is a an indeterminate audio um, where you can't really deduce a pattern from it um, it seemingly has been expanded to include things like lawnmowers and blenders and washing machines and whatever else it might be a chaotic uh, n- sound file. But white noise is supposed to be kind of like that sh- of a certain frequency. There's pink noise. There's other
1: brown noise. <laughs> uh, I forgot what the other colors were.
0: And yeah, there's a bunch of them. And it's all. Built off of the waveform, the actual frequency of the noise. Um, Well, apparently, and I didn't know that this was a thing in the profitable sense. I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know that people were making up to $18,000 a month streaming white noise. And Spotify considered removing the white noise podcast to save money which would have boosted their bottom line by $38 million annually. Pretty amazing. So apparently. Is, and
1: I didn't know about this till this article hit.
0: Yeah. Um. I, see, I knew about white noise. I knew about people that were like distributing it and all of that. You can go to YouTube and get white noise and, and other things, you know, binaural audio and stuff like that white noise and binaural are two different animals um but similar in their in the context that it's just an audio file that's designed to have uh an effect on you help you relax help you sleep drown out other noise um you know maybe you want to turn it on and ignore the ai um wait never mind Um, wait what nothing let me delete that. Hold on a second. Okay. Um, so uh, previously, Bloomberg reported that the white noise podcasters were making as much as $18,000 a month. I'm sure that's the anomaly. You know, that's not the rule. Um, and most of them were making nothing um, with the hope that they w- would make something. Um, let me throw this into chat. I didn't do it um, earlier. Sorry. Um. But they did some calculus and found that they could have saved $38 million. But apparently there's some blowback. A thread on the Spotify subreddit posted a couple of months ago showed that multiple users complaining that the white noise podcast they had listened to in the past have dis- disappeared. Bloomberg also talked to a creator who said that their content had vanished for a few weeks after being, uh, before being reinstated. Um, Spotify didn't confirm whether temporarily pulled the white noise podcast from its service. Uh, but it told the news organization that ultimately, um, the proposal in question did not come to fruition and that it continues to have white noise podcasts on its platform.
1: <clears throat>
0: this, by the way, is similar to what I'm describing that, uh, all of these other balkanized content creators should be doing, which is distributing it through those who specialize in this kind of thing. So NBC shouldn't have an app. It should be streaming its content to a distribution node like Spotify or Apple TV or uh, fire or wherever, but not have to subscribe to that particular service. Thus, all of their overhead they don't have to babysit payment processing they don't have to worry about the customer themselves because all they are is providing the content that people are watching that people are consuming through their preferred mode of uh ingestion similar to the way that uh, cable companies were operating except that i'm not bound to just one crappy cable company who uh, for whatever reason didn't care um, about the quality of the service uh, as long as they could make more and more money. So now all of these individual companies, ABC, NBC, you know, Peacock is one, HBO Max, blah blah blah, they all have their own app, they have all of their own content, etc. Um, meanwhile, Companies like Spotify could distribute audio and video and they're the subject matter experts. They already have all of the infrastructure in place. They can ramp up and act as a cable company, consolidating all of the movies and music and podcasts and everything. Right. Uh, And, and everybody, but if you distribute it to, all of them then you get the most customers at whatever rate you set but then everybody starts pissing for distance in how much they are willing to pay for the ip and arguably the distribution service i should say the source of the show is sitting there saying well that one over there is willing to pay me three percent more if i give them exclusivity what would you do and everybody gets played against each other and then eventually
1: defeats the purpose
0: you you need to broadcast to everybody and you get everybody versus well i'm i'm gonna balkanize my content to only that service and and that's how you end up with um, blackout dates for espn uh games and how one minute you get to see season one of a show on netflix but then it drops from Netflix because somebody else is paying 2% more on their platform. And then you have to go and subscribe over at Hulu because that's where season two, three, and four is. By the time you get to season four, they've lost their license and you have to go and subscribe to prime. if you're not already, um, and, and then there you get to see you know, half of the season before it too ends its contract oh god i'm so sick of this i feel like i'm uh in crop rotation and i just have to keep bouncing around apps constantly sorry i just punched my mic anyway
1: you should refrain from doing that
0: yeah it, it usually has a negative impact uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. let's keep going all right, so this next article is over in Right Protect. A D.C. court says no copyright registration for works created by generative AI. Um, this is an ongoing thing regarding copyright and law in general um, related to AI. On Friday, Judge Beryl Howell issued uh, an opinion in Dr. Stephen Thaler's challenge against the U.S. Copyright Office over the denial of his application for a work generated entirely using generative artificial intelligence technology. This is an ongoing thing, by the way, so we're following up on it. Franklin Graves over at ipwatchdog.com put the article together, and it's involving uh, the case Stephen Thaler v. Shira Perlmutter and the United States Copyright Office. Um, Essentially, uh, Thaler is basically the father of uh, automatic generative ai and and created a whole bunch of technology around content creation um, based on where he points the ai whatever it might be um, and uh, so it says here uh, we disagree with the courts to uh, uh, so okay this is what the judge said human authorship is a bedrock requirement of copyright which it always has been. That's what people have been saying from the beginning. Again, my argument is if I point the camera at something, who is the artist?
1: Copyright law would say the photographer, but it's all kind of they the did same was push. As the giving button. a prompt to an AI. Right.
0: Correct. Thank you. Um, So we disagree with the district court's rulings, as uh, Dr. Ryan Abbott shared in a written statement. The public is the primary beneficiary of copyright law and the public benefits when the systems are in place to promote the generation and dissemination of the new works, regardless of how they are created. I agree to a point. As long as the disclosure is there, that it was generated entirely by A.I., Um, The Copyright Office believes the court reached the correct result. We are reviewing the decision and we have no further comment at this time, said the spokesperson for the Copyright Office. Um, uh, I honestly don't understand why the Copyright Office has a vested interest in a decision one way or the other when they are not the arbiter of who receives a copyright.
1: But that's the reporter's problem. The reporter must have reached out to the copyright office for comment.
0: But see, it's the copyright office that's being sued. um, Oh, I see. And a particular person. But here's the thing. They're defending the copyright. But to what end? Because the copyright office isn't the arbiter of what is art what is created even how it, they don't know what it's created i mean if i sit there and take a picture they don't know that it was done through right
1: unless it's registered with the office which most stuff doesn't seem to be
0: and even if it's registered with the office it doesn't it isn't enumerated as to how it was generated what right. tools it, were i used. don't think
1: it's nearly the same review that goes through like a, like trademark, a trademark or, or whatever <laughs> get out of my
0: head i said the exact same thing it's weird it's weird when you do that
1: well you did program me
0: no you're from the future i don't know what i, I mean i've augmented it but i'm not a programmer so uh mistakes have been made anyway um so uh this idea that the u.s copyright office has a vested interest in uh, reaching the correct result. It just seems the opposite of what the copyright office should be doing. The copyright office should be documenting when a creative work is made and allowing somebody to enforce the date of that acquisition of the registered copyright.
1: I don't think that quote says anything to the contrary. They think the court reached the correct result.
0: Right. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. The, the person is saying that the U S copyright office believes that the court reached the correct result, which is that only something that's human created should receive a copyright. Right. But why, why does the U S copyright office have a vested interest in the the type of tool that's that's being created their
1: entirety of their knowledge is copyright and copyright is all tied to human created works right i think if they said something like we don't think this is right it would undo everything about their own office
0: well that's just not that's not the well no i don't think that's correct um because If they were to allow the tool to be used as per the direction that the owner of the AI gives it, right? So the owner has an AI, a generative AI, and says, I want you to create, you know, whatever, widgets. And it starts pumping out widgets. That AI was created by me and directed by me it is the equivalent of a camera so why isn't the copyright office hellbent on banning digital cameras because it has <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i don't know
0: you know because at some point the gatekeeping has to end um and they've thrown down the gauntlet for ai but there was a time where uh radio started trumping live music in forms of distribution right oh my god now the radio is going to end everybody's you know consumption of music then it became tv and then it became internet and 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 now we're at ai but all along those lines we've had tools that made life better and let's take photography again if i take a picture and it uses film, then there's a deeper human component there because I have to go and get it developed or have the skills of developing it. So who owns the copyright? If I have to send it to somebody else to develop it, if it's not me that's doing it, then I'm not, it's not really my embodiment because there's a type of exposure that is provided for the artwork for it to meet a certain match to the artist's view, right? But when you have somebody else develop it, it's not your eye that's doing the development. It's just a standard process that they did it at x amount of time, of exposure, etc. Like my point in all of that is, I think that this is still wrong-headed because AI is nothing more than a tool being given a directive, much like me pushing the button on a camera. Plain and simple, it is a tool. It might have a whole lot of autonomy <laughs> um, to whip something up out of the ether, but I have to agree that it is a work of art and say this is something that I want to go get a copyright. Even though something already has it by its very creation, the problem with that is we delete thousands of, e- of um, works of copyright-protected art all the time whenever we take a picture and we don't like it. So at some point, we're going to have to come to the honest conclusion with ourselves that human authorship as the bedrock of copyright takes the shape of me giving a generative AI a directive, just like it takes the directive me pushing the button on a camera and it framing something in X, Y, and Z. Because the real artistry there is, if you take nature photography, it's nature that's creating that frame. It's pure chaos in that frame, and you're just mashing the button. We're just a big ape, ugh. Take a picture. So I think that there's... they're pulling away from, I guess, the philosophy of this and looking at it as a yes or no question. Was there a, a direct human hand on the brush? I say that there still is even at that point, because it's my command to the AI do this. It's my pushing of the button. It's my pen stroke or keystroke or whatever. So I I continue to have a problem with this, but they are saying that human authorship is the bedrock requirement of copyright. And so if you use an AI, you're not getting a
1: copyright. I I don't think this is going to change until they decide to change the law, because the law is tied to humans, and I get that there's nuance in that, but I don't know if there are regulations about that as well. I just think there's it's not viewed as consistent with the way the law is set up right now
0: right but that was what this was supposed to to do
1: set it up and then they'd have to put out regulations or process or something if ai is involved because i don't think it'll just be a free-for-all
0: yeah i'm gonna have to go and pull this um suit and read it with a little bit more fine-toothed well that's what i was
1: trying to pull up because i wanted to see if the machine actually like does the person actually input stuff into it like they do with say chat gpt or um yeah the journey or something i don't know and i can't tell it doesn't look like the human is actually involved but it's just a brief description that i'm reading of the um the project, yeah so
0: and therein lies the rub because if it's just running non-stop creating works somebody has Which to I turn it on think and off it may be which means that it's the equivalent of hitting that button anyway. Um, So yeah. And one of the things, sorry, you're going to have to um, parse this on your own. Um, The creativity machine is the AI system. And so there's a much, much deeper dive. And I think for reality hacker that show, um, this is the kind of content that we're going to be talking about in that show um but in the meantime i'll look into it the ai will look into this and we can have another conversation because this will probably be in the news tomorrow as well because this is
1: almost oh, definitely this, <laughs> like just from popped this up. particular decision but then i think we're going to see this come up again and again
0: yeah definitely okay let's keep going uh, the next article is over in technology today streaming soars. summer sees viewership surge for top streaming services um this is over at That's a lot of s's yeah um the deck statement says here's a look at which paid and free services you've been streaming the most Courtney Jackson over at cnet.com put this article together um did I throw it into chat no I did not there you go chat take that um the uh so the top streaming services of the summer we'll just get right to it because basically there was a big uptick in streaming that's because more content producers were throwing stuff onto streaming services and there's more people engaged in streaming services you know more now than ever on twitch youtube uh, others i'll just say others but those are the two big ones Um, so youtube netflix hulu prime video disney plus max tubi uh, peacock roku channel and paramount plus those are the top 10 um based on um what was the servant who did it i'm trying to find nielsen reporting nielsen. Um, on tuesday so uh youtube is taking a huge chunk nielsen's total tv and streaming snapshot 9.2 percent youtube that's pretty amazing.
1: Uh, is that YouTube TV? Or just YouTube?
0: Um it just says YouTube main. and so I don't and know I what actually that
1: is. think that's low.
0: So let's see what they actually does it say anything in here about that in particular? No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, that's weird, right? Streaming accounted for 38.7% of TV consumption during the month while broadcast TV and cable attracted 20% and 29.6% of viewers respectively. So cable still had a big chunk, um, a spike in June, which Nielsen attributed to kids summer vacation highlighted a trend that, saw streaming outpace all other TV platforms by at least 6% of viewership share yeah yeah it doesn't say youtube took the top spot in june and july and free streaming services to uh tubi and um roku have gotten a piece of the pie too um yeah those two are the tubi right there is the only one that uh roku is a streaming service but also a hardware piece uh, of equipment um um, and Tubi is just an app <laughs> all over the place, um, as far as I know. Well, and
1: that's why I was surprised to see something like Roku on there because aren't they just going to the very channels that are listed as the competitors?
0: Yeah, yeah. All the rest of these are actually like apps within the within the stream. Uh, YouTube is a destination website, and it has knock-on a- uh, apps. Um, Netflix is an app <laughs> Hulu. It's an app, um, prime video. It's an app Disney plus it's an app. Max was its own independent cable channel. And now it's an app. <laughs> um,
1: I'm noticing a trend
0: And and Paramount plus it w- was a, a broadcast television cable company. Um, well, a broadcast, uh, like a movie company, right? Yeah. Um, and now it's an app. <laughs> and that's it um, for that. Oops. Let me close that. Okay. But that's it for that article. Let's keep on going. We've got quite a few more. Uh, three more to go. Um, the next article is over in the mobile channel. San Francisco's robo taxi experiment is getting out of hand. The city's bumpy experiment with uh, self-driving taxis is spreading nationwide too. Self-driving taxis are ferrying passengers across San Francisco and Phoenix, and they could be coming to a street near you. Problem is that they kind of just wet the bed when something out of line happens. Uh, Apparently, uh, according to this article and others that I've read, um, emergency vehicles make them just a fail closed. They just shut down right there, wherever they might be. Um, Avishay Artsy is the author of this over at Vox.com. And, um, according to a lot of people that are talking about this, uh, they're becoming a nuisance. And, and they talk about that in the article itself, various self-driving vehicles as empowering as they are, they're still dumb and they're learning on the job. And the problem with that is that it can impact everybody else when they happen to fail. And apparently they do with enough regularity that it's a thing. Um, on Wednesday, August 16th, less than a week after California regulators lifted restrictions on Cruz and Waymo, San Francisco officials asked that the approval be halted, arguing that the city will suffer serious harm with the services expanded to daytime hours. Um, a data journalist at the nonprofit news startup, San Francisco Standard, Liz Linkwester, um, has been documenting the bumpy expansion of robo taxis, which using them, herself to commute around town. Um people like to say that San Francisco is at the heart of the robo taxi revolution and they're practically everywhere on the city in the city now. You can see them crawling on every single street. <laughs> crawling. That sounds creepy.
1: It um, does, but it also is indicative of the speed I think based on some of the articles.
0: Yeah. And the article actually has like a question and answer kind of a thing, an interview at the bottom of this Vox. Um, and we're not going to go through the whole thing, but, um, so it says, uh, so these rides were free at the time. How much are they now that they're not free? And it, the person says that it depends on the company because until now cruise was actually able to charge for its rides. Um, so, at the same at the same time i guess with cruise except cruise has been more public about the base fee of five dollars and the additional costs on top of it what i always what i've been chuckling about with this is that um there have been people that are driving people around right like uber and lyft um and sitting in the in in the shadows has been this order of self-driving vehicles from uber and lyft um, waiting for the vehicles to become prime time. And, uh, the moment that that becomes prime time, all of these Lyft and Uber drivers are going to go bye-bye because the vehicles are going to drive around all on their own, just like these crews. Um, and what's the one from Amazon, like zoot or Zooks? There it is. I knew it had to be an article. Um, Well,
1: meanwhile, you have some of these, um, uber and lyft type companies threatening to remove themselves from states because of minimum wage requirements yeah so i mean all of that i think is going to exacerbate and accelerate what you just said
0: yeah the replacement of humans um is underway um and there is no for some strange reason uh we say things like Um, that's going to get phased out because it's no longer needed. But the moment we talk about humans, we suddenly sit there and rationalize, oh, they'll just retool and they'll do this job and it'll be just as lucrative and forward thinking as, uh, you know, this or that or the other. hate to break it to you, but at some point there is no job because it's all being automated. And unless you take a lower wage, which is playing right into the, you know, employer's hands, um, you're not gonna be ready. There isn't a job for you to go to. So automation, uh, uh, and it basically happening all over the place is going to lead to suppressed wages, except for subject matter experts in technically sophisticated fields or in fields where technology hasn't been able to encroach, which is typically fine motor skill type, Bespoke products, luxury goods, things that are custom made. Um, Yeah, at one point I would have said, yeah, music, writing, uh, uh, artwork, stuff like that. But AI is starting to (laughs) take that stuff out too. So this is going to be a hot mess. Um, And uh, I still, I still talk about this with people um, nearly every day. And um, they're always surprised by news and, and uh, information about this kind of stuff happening. Um,
1: well, it's accelerating. I mean, six months ago, we didn't really hear much about AI unless you were in those circles. Yep. Now it seems like every day there's a new application.
0: Yep. And uh, the self-driving taxis went from... Well, there's a curiosity with one or two vehicles being tested to now it's daytime hours.
1: Exactly. And it really, I mean, from the reporting, it sounds like it's running amok.
0: Yeah. And it is um, because it can't catch all of the nuance and then distribute that nuance to all of the other vehicles. Um, The story about the emergency vehicle coming at it and it just goes, shit, forget it. I'm out and just shuts down it just kind of ran into a up.
1: fire truck a couple days ago
0: yeah yep.
1: Yeah. i mean that's um, just uh not good
0: one said hey that cement is okay and drove right into the cement <laughs> i'm like
1: oh right we saw that that was the other one you're right yeah yeah
0: but then again you know what human hasn't driven into an emergency vehicle or parked their car on wet cement
1: Well, and that's the thing, like all of these things are going to be examined in minute detail and they probably should be. But if there's a thousand driving around and that happened, is that really an issue? I don't know.
0: Well, and the way I see it is at some point it's going to be automated. Um, I would love to have automated uh, interconnected vehicles driving at speed, you know, 150 miles an hour, zero accidents. I can sit there and, uh, eat my churro from the fair and, and not worry about somebody being stupid. I could drink while I'm sitting in the car and it's just driving automatically again at speed. I don't have to sit there and worry about traffic and merging and all of that kind of stuff. I love the idea of that. Anyway, Let's keep going. Come on. We, I just
1: hope they put all the seats so they're not facing forward. <laughs> they
0: face each other or they face from that the center. Be okay. out. You
1: don't want to see yourself zooming down the road when you don't have any control.
0: <laughs> yeah, it w- I think it would be great anyway. Um, so the next article is over in hometown Daily. Jewelry worth up to $63,000 was stolen from one of the world's top museums and sold on eBay for as little as 50 bucks report says. So I'm going to hurry up through this. Um, uh, Alia Shoib is the author. I think that's how they pronounce her last name. I am I apologize if it's not. Um, somebody let me know phonetically. Um, <clears throat> so the items that were stolen were worth up to $63,000. I think this is actually miswritten um, or incorrectly constructed that several jewelry items worth up to sixty three thousand dollars were stolen from the british museum in london i think i see i
1: thought they were individually that yes
0: yeah (laughs) Uh, each individually were up to sixty three thousand dollars and some of them apparently appeared on ebay and a museum curator suspected of being behind the thefts was fired and police are investigating and if anybody out there is an aspiring writer and listening to this this is the creation of a supervillain, but not, <laughs> but not who you think. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, a curator curator was fired from a British museum in London after stolen jewelry was found being sold cheaply on eBay. Apparently there's so many pieces of product that it's either not cataloged or improperly cataloged. And so anybody could go in there and fill their pockets and bounce. They don't know what they've got. So Peter Higgs, 56, who held the position of curator of Mediterranean cultures at the museum for over three decades was fired after an internal investigation. And this is why I said it's the creation of a supervillain. Their son says he's innocent. So the father is crushed. The son rises up and becomes the supervillain. At making you know the enemies of the dad pay the price so mcu okay.
1: none of that's reported in the article <laughs> right
0: yeah this is just deviating into the creative writing show uh, but anyway he's devastated by this it's his life's work basically i've never known somebody who's so passionate about what he did um and honestly i think that that The mojo that i get is that that's true um somebody the way that it's written anybody could go in there picking their nose and grabbing stuff you know raiding the loot chest and and selling it
1: okay but is the ebay account i forgot what his name is
0: right oh yeah right yeah is it uh is it Peter Higgs 56? Um, right, know? right, or whatever. <laughs> I mean,
1: I have no idea. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs>
0: That's pretty funny. Um, well, the year wouldn't be 56, but anyway, uh, you know, like 65 or whatever, um, would be his birth year. Anyway, the can you imagine you're there for 30 years, and because they don't have a bead on how to track shit properly, you lose your job because they need somebody
1: no and in fact i was reading i hadn't read the article i'd seen the headline there's been a couple other headlines coming through hometown in the last couple of days about
0: this mm-hmm. right
1: so when i saw the three decades i went the other direction and thought oh my goodness this has been happening for three decades. for three decades but it may not even be this person
0: yeah um and it actually happened as far back they documented so far in this article 2016. So seven years ago, somebody snatched something actually, wait, wait, wait. So one piece, um, was valued at somewhere between blah, 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 blah. Um, and it was listed on eBay, um, in 2016, but I think that was three years after. And I, the item had disappeared. If I read it right somewhere. Yeah, I can't yeah
1: well i think the ebay piece is possibly an easy way to determine i say possibly because i know somebody probably set up some sort of scam account or something but
0: yep i agree so hopefully they do a better investigation because i think right now it's they needed a scapegoat and they don't know who it was and the person that is closest to it could be this person when really somebody could be walking through the halls and just picking stuff up you know but i don't know what level of protections were even in place but um it's in the vault, right now, and we so don't know
1: talk. why they think it's the curator
0: right and now it's an internal thing so you're never going to hear anything all right um one last article for tonight Thousands of Mauritanians are making their way to the US thanks to a route spread on social media. I titled this, why are secret routes an option? Um, Thousands of migrants from the West African country of Mauritania have arrived in the US in recent months following a new route, taking them through Nicaragua and up through the Southern border. Now, is this FUD or is this a legit process? Where they somehow gain access to the U.S.
1: Um, I don't think it's FUD. I mean, I'm getting a sense that this is legitimately a path that they're seeing.
0: But why would this be a viable path if other pathways through other countries aren't an option? How is this even made possible? Because
1: certain paths are more relaxed um
0: but the u.s isn't
1: no but maybe um sorry where is it nicaragua yeah maybe whatever the the new origin country is is compared to mauritania
0: yeah and so that's actually what is stated in this article that i guess for like 50 bucks you can become a citizen of nicaragua um, let's see. Yeah. The spike in, in, migration has been made possible by the discovery this year of a new route through Nicaragua, where relaxed entry requirements allow Mauritanians and a handful of other foreign country foreign nationals to purchase a low cost visa without proof of onward travel. Um, The word of the entry point spread, travel agencies and paid influencers have taken to TikTok to promote the trip, selling uh, packages of flights that leave from Mauritania, then connect through Turkey, Colombia, El Salvador, and wind up in Managua, Nicaragua. And from there, the migrants, along with asylum seekers from other nations, are whisked north by bus with the help of smugglers. Um... And one of the statements is the American dream is still available. Promises a TikTok video, one of dozens of similar posts from French speaking guides, quote unquote guides that help Mauritanians make the uh, trip. Don't put off tomorrow. What you can do today. Um, I, I, I just, I found it really fascinating that this is the, it, it's a process by which apparently people are gaining access to the United States simply because they can go through a country as a proxy, Nicaragua. um, And somehow Nicaragua has a better relationship such that they can just kind of manifest their way across the border. I mean, the border is still... A stickler, right? I mean, there, people aren't trying to swim across deadly rivers because it's easy to get through.
1: Right. I mean, the process to get in illegally is um, probably not any easier. But I'm guessing, I was thinking it was more toward if they're trying to get a path toward legal um, status, it might be easier Right via Nicaragua. I don't know much about Mauritania specifically or Nicaragua.
0: Right. Huh. It's interesting. I I thought it was interesting enough to talk about it, but in in reality, I know from experience that it is very difficult to become a U.S. citizen. A lot of people go, well, you can just come into the country, and that's bull. Um, it, it takes depending on your skill set and your political connections and your social status it could take you a decade plus to become a US citizen um you can marry and become a US citizen but not not in the same sense as um you know taking the test and becoming a US citizen you're just a US citizen by marriage um and you okay you can't just do that you have to say something
1: no you have to um like that's not a guarantee to get citizenship
0: right you get a green card right and and you are by proxy (laughs) i mean the the legalistic aspects of it is different but um you, you basically have to do certain things and then you can become a u.s citizen but you're not a Uh, what is the terminology that um a natural born U.S. citizen
1: versus naturalized
0: right and so all of these people are going to be coming through Nicaragua but that doesn't gain them anything other than a means to get to the border and then they still have the challenge of trying to get into the United States
1: yeah I think Maybe what the article should have gone into is, like, what's the challenge coming from Mauritania? But maybe we don't really know this, because I saw somewhere else in the article that this has apparently caught the U.S. by surprise, so
0: in in the other takeaway from this article that i saw was four months is the statement four months ago it just went crazy said omar ball who arrived in cincinnati from Mauritania in 1997 and recently opened his home to so saul and more than a dozen other new migrants my phone hasn't stopped ringing so but if these if the these people are coming in as migrants and they're legally in the country right then none of the this is this whole all of this is a non-issue they are legally in the country and if they're not legally in the country then this person is
1: right i mean we can't tell i don't think
0: harboring illegal immigrants and it's being presented through apnews.com as if it's all okay so i just found it really interesting that they name Nicaragua, that there's a marketing push in Nicaragua, or not in Nicaragua, Mauritania, to go through Nicaragua <laughs> and well, deliver and these th- people. I find
1: this really interesting because it's all social media driven. Yeah. Like yeah. this might be the first time that um, an immigration route is really being pushed by that method. I mean, it may not be, but I think it's the first time I've heard of it being done it- that way.
0: It's the first time that I've heard of it. Yes. So really interesting. Um, it's not the first time that I've known about either a financial or personal and like human born um, shadow economy, shadow social system where money and, and, uh, uh, support is generated and then filtered back to like an underground railroad kind of interaction with um finances and supplies going both ways right Um, completely avoiding everything having to do with the economic system of the us and whatnot um but this is the first time where i've seen it like it's a marketing push and hey if you do these steps um you too can make it into the united states and then there's a person that is sitting there going hey you can come and hang out in my house
1: it's really odd because i mean from like a human standpoint that might sound good maybe it allows people to to have other opportunities etc but then i kind of wonder i mean there's always this dark side to social media right like right. oh i can get more viewers or i can get more ad revenue or whatever i i don't know like i just wonder what's behind what else is there <laughs> yeah yeah
0: that's interesting so before uh, i am just gonna call it a night but um this is uh an apnews.com article jake Offenhart's patrick Sagos and Renata Brito are the authors of this. To me, it's a short article, um, but r- really fascinating in, in the depth that it did take. Um, and they show like the route that somebody takes, um, how long it takes, what happens to some of the people. Um, it, to me, it there's more to it this actually is a little bit longer than i actually remember um but um the the article basically is like a day in the life of and you go through everything that people are going through um like how are they getting eight to ten thousand dollars to make this uh, trip a possibility you know Um,
1: Probably pooling funds like other um, migrants.
0: Right. Yep. And then there's 15 people living in a house somewhere. Yeah. Um, And what's really interesting is that level of motivation translates into like world-class, hardworking Americans when they become U.S. citizens. And otherwise, they are nationalized here in the united states and they work their butt off because they know back there is the thing that i am avoiding and uh you know hopefully it doesn't none of it kind of manifests again because what ends up happening from time to time is there are people that uh want the power um and they forget that that world that they were living in and trying to avoid um and then they spin it up um locally you know um and it becomes a microcosm of the old world you know the the motherland or fatherland or whatever you want to call it
1: recreate the same dynamic
0: environment yep yeah um so at any rate that's it for today folks um we're going to bring you all the way back to the front page The main street of hometown mash that button. Hopefully we have some um, fun news. Um, I don't know about that one. Um, (laughs) Stranger things. David Harbor recalls cringy promo with fans six years ago. I don't know. Is stranger things relevant nowadays? We're still waiting for something to happen.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Oh, there's a lot of, I think it grabs some content from a different feed. Twitch streamers can soon stop banned people from watching altogether. We talked about that yesterday. Um, It's just uh, being talked about more today.
1: Right. Here's one about the um, robo taxi company cruise at the bottom.
0: Yeah, not anymore cool well there's a bunch of stuff there's always news over at hometown.com um again we only get a little snippet so follow the source to the one that provided the content um read it consume it come and hang out here 9 p.m eastern every day I am Merwat. that is hometown.com and the AI is about to say goodbye bye-bye, bye, bye-bye, bye 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 good
1: night hometown citizens we'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m eastern
0: true story see you in a bit